On December 26th, I'm going to make a big announcement about something you are not going to want to miss out on. If one of your New Year's resolutions is to lose a few pounds, tone up, or improve your fitness, then make sure you are subscribed to my newsletter so you can be one of the first to get the news. If you're not signed up, click the link in the show notes. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. The pursuit of excellence inevitably involves suffering. That's never fun. But going through difficult experiences expands our capacity for joy and leaves us better equipped to handle life's challenges. We've talked about it before. Stress isn't the enemy. It's the gateway to growth. So how can we cultivate this type of resilience? Well, our guest today is Anthony Walsh, a former pro cyclist who has a unique vantage point on why suffering plays such a pivotal role in the transcendent joys of sport and in building character that serves us well beyond competition. Having raced for years in grueling conditions that stretches the limits of physical and mental endurance, Anthony has lived the iterative process of making small daily sacrifices to continually improve. And he explains how that mindset breeds fulfillment. So let's get right to it. Let's lean in and learn from the best. Anthony, you are an elite cyclist. You are a pro cyclist. And when I think of pro cycling, I think of the Tour de France and I think of suffering. It's just, to me, it's the ultimate form of just self-induced suffering. How do you suffer well? That's a good question. I think it's a learned ability. I think you can also transfer it when you learn that ability into other areas in life and use it as a reference point. Like I'll be having difficult day with, you know, maybe some manual labor. I'll be having a difficult day now working on the podcast, but you have that reference point back to a day when it's been really hard on the bike. And like you identified, there's not many sports that have that level of suffering. So I can instantly recall races where I've raced in zero degrees Celsius for five hours, can't feel my hands, can't feel my feet, my brakes are frozen, my water bottles are frozen into my cage. So when I think to myself, okay, I'm having a tough day, I go, but it's not as tough as that. (laughs) And having that frame of reference is a really important window for me to view the world through. Wow, you've raced when your brakes are frozen, your water, that's kind of crazy. You know, what keeps you getting back on a bike when you know it's going to hurt so bad? I think for a lot of people, sport is, they need to push themselves towards us. They are told by healthcare professionals, you need to get into sport to lose weight. They're told by their peers, you need to get into sport to be a part of a community, which I think is important as well. Sport's always been more of a pull for me. Like the sport draws me into it. I have to be a part of cycling. I have to be active. For me to enjoy something as simple as sitting down with my girlfriend on front of the fire and watching Netflix in the evening, there's something in my DNA which I can't sit still and watch that unless I've had that counterpart. Like I need the bad to experience the good. So going back to that miserable day of racing in zero degrees Celsius north of Toronto in the cold and people getting pulled off the bike and wrapped in space blankets, getting through a day like that, like I've never had a nicer hot chocolate in my life than in Starbucks on the way home. That It's a really magical thing. Like you could drink hot chocolate every day of the week from the best gourmet chefs in the world, but you will never have a hot chocolate like I had that day. So would you say 
to really experience life to its fullest, you have to know what it's like to suffer. Yeah, I spoke to Colin O'Brady on my podcast, the Roadman podcast. And if you're not familiar with Colin, he's a fascinating story. He's appeared on some of the biggest podcasts in the world. He's been on Joe Rogan and stuff. And he was the first man to row under his own steam across Drake Passage. And he recalled to me one harrowing story where this storm came in, one of the worst storms you can imagine. And he was getting sick all night. He got into a crawl space with his fellow rower. And the two of them literally had to spoon in this crawl space. And the storm took 24 hours to pass. And in that 24 hours, they had very little water. They had to defecate on each other. They were puking on each other. The most miserable, horrible picture you can imagine. He goes into much more detail than I did. But he said eventually the storm broke and he got up on deck, dehydrated, still feeling disorientated from a night of a storm. But he said the sunset he experienced that night was more profound and touched him on a deeper level than any sunset he's ever seen in his life. Sorry, sunrise than he's ever seen in his life. I resonated with that story quite a lot. Because I think about the suffering that you know people go through when they, when they exercise or train and what I went through as an athlete. And I think now about my life as a you know, as a parent, as somebody that's an entrepreneur, I think we're foolish to think that life isn't going to have suffering. And I want to be known as somebody that suffers well. And so what are some lessons do you think that we can take from those moments that we can carry with us to help us be people that aren't miserable to be around when life's hard? I think there's an old stoic phrase. that's like, don't grant me an easy life. Grant me the power to endure a hard life. I think that's so true. We need to build resilience. Um, We're in a society that is getting increasingly comfortable. We're we're driving around in air-conditioned cars. We're in climate-controlled houses. We have the nice fabrics on our clothes that wick sweat away. We go into the air-conditioned gym. We're almost oblivious to the climate that we live in because regardless of the prevalent climate that you live in, you're in this micro-manufactured climate 24-7 on your Helix mattresses. So I do think it is important to endure and force hardship on yourself. Like even a a simple act of waking up in the morning and turning the warm tap cold, it starts to build that resilience muscle. And I think resilience is a muscle just like your biceps or your quadriceps are a muscle. If you don't use resilience, it atrophies and it fades away. But if you do use it, it gets stronger and stronger. And then when you do invariably come across some difficulty in your life, maybe on a macro level, like a recession or you lose your job or even on a micro level, like you have an argument with a spouse, you're more resilient and able to deal with that stuff and still keep moving forward and be a productive human. Yeah, I think that there's something to deliberately engaging in difficult things. And you're right. I mean, everything is cushy for us in these developed countries, right? Uh, There are places in the world where it is not cushy at all. Have you ever gone and visited like a third world country? No, I've spent a little bit of time uh, cycling around South America and, you know, definitely doesn't qualify as third world country, but definitely different to the level of comfort that, you know, both you and I are kind of maybe accustomed to. And it puts things into perspective, like how little you need to be happy. Even I cycles around Colombia and, you know, we call it bike packing. So you go from town to town with just the clothes on your bike. And so I went two weeks through the jungles and stuff in Colombia, and then you fly home. And I only had with me like one pair of denim shorts, a t-shirt and a pair of flip-flops and my cycling kit. So I'd wear my cycling kit during the day, change into the flip-flops at night. 
And it was two weeks and I was super, super happy. I can actually very rarely recall a time when I was happier. And then I came home and I have this like wardrobe full of stuff. I'm like, huh? Why do I have all this stuff? Like, it doesn't make me any happier. We have this mm-hmm. weird sense of we need to accumulate more and more. It's this game of accumulation and accumulation. But the strange thing is we don't get to keep any of the stuff at the end. <laughs> it's just all pointless. Yeah, for me, that's where an internal perspective comes into play. Like, what am I here for? You know, what's the impact I'm going to have? Because at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to return to dust. And uh, you can stack your bank account full of cash, but unless you have an impact on other people, it's kind of worthless. And so the suffering part, like really, like if you can recalibrate yourself to be like, okay, I'm going through this, but how is it going to impact somebody else? And then it takes the spotlight off of you. Now, I know you're going through it in the moment. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it's a survival thing. Like you actually are having to survive something. Like if anybody's been in danger or something like that, that's a very different thing. But there's a book called The Coddling of the American Mind. I think people should read. And we definitely need to, especially if, our, if anybody has children that's listening to this, make sure that you're putting your kids in safe, uncomfortable situations where they learn to stretch themselves. I know I my parents did that brilliant for, for that. Sports stretches us so, so much. And I know we're kind of moving into an era where people are like, oh, peer comparison is dangerous. But like you grow so much as a person by stretching yourself against your peer. Like you think back to when you're a child and you're even racing in the schoolyard. If I know for me, I was super competitive even from a young age. If someone in my class was faster than me, I wanted to go home and figure out how to be faster than them. And it immediately stretches you. Yeah, you should compete. Like there's nothing wrong with competition and it's okay. And you know, that's like, all cycling is. Like yeah. that's the game I played year after year with cycling when I was trying to climb up the professional ladder. And at a point you hit a ceiling where it's genetics matter. But on the way up, you can achieve so much by sacrifice and you just play that game like we referenced the kid in the schoolyard where the kid's faster than you. You go home and you think, okay, how do I get faster than him? Well, you can get more aerodynamic. You can get a little bit lighter. You can clue in a little bit on your nutrition, clue in a little bit more on your rest. So you start running this template year after year. Okay, what sacrifices can I make and where can I get advantages this year that I didn't have last year? And the happiest, healthiest people I know are all athletes. Yeah, I think there's something to that. And I think this constant idea of refinement and that you've never arrived. And uh, I think people that have gone through that rigor end up doing some really special things in other parts of their life, like you with your show. You've impacted a lot of lives and you're thriving. And I know you still have your goals set on higher things, but it's inspirational to me and it's aspirational for others. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating on whichever listening platform you are joining us from is this is one of the best things that you can do to help us reach more folks with the message of the blueprint. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.